0: Hey, it's Chris here. Before we get started with today's show, I just wanted to bring your attention to the fact that we will be meeting in London, England on May 18 for the Youpreneur Mid-Year Mastermind. This is our brand new one-day event focused entirely on making sure that you get the clarity and the growth strategies that you need right here in the middle of the year or maybe just before the middle of the year, to continue to catapult your business forward to amazing growth and success. If you would love to be with us, there are limited tickets left, but we'd love to see you there. All you need to do is head over to upener.com forward slash midyear for all of the information and to be able to reserve your spot. That's upener.com forward slash midyear. Now, let's get on with the episode. This is Upreneur FM, the official podcast of the Upreneur Mastermind Community, a place where no entrepreneur gets left behind in their pursuit of building a business they can be proud of. And And now, here's your host, serial entrepreneur and best selling author, Chris Ducker. Well, hello there, my good friends, and welcome to episode number 330 of Youpreneur FM. I'm your host, Chris Ducker, as always, and you, as always, are in the right spot if you are an entrepreneur wanting to build a business based around you, your personality, your experience, and the people that you want to serve. Yes, another slice of the Youpreneur pie coming at you today, courtesy of myself and my good friend, Mike McCallowitz. Now, Mike has been on the show before. You might know him as the author of The Toilet Paper, entrepreneur. You might know him as the author of a whole bunch of other books, but today we get deep into talking about how we can design our business to ultimately run and grow without us being present every single second of the day. It's a great conversation. However, before we get cracking, just a quick reminder that Youpreneur FM is brought to you by the Youpreneur Mastermind community, the premier online community for entrepreneurs wanting to build a profitable, sustainable business based around their experience and those that they want to serve. Community members get exclusive access to our Acceleration Training Library, which includes everything you'll need to know to build, market, and monetize a successful business, and couple that together with our monthly mastermind calls, discounted tickets to our live events, and access to our enthusiastic, supportive member-only forums, and you've got everything you need to succeed. If you're serious about building the business of you, as I call it, and in the most rewarding, profitable way possible, then you must join us. So be sure to head over to youpreneur.com today for more info. So myself and Mike, as you're about to find out, know each other very well. And actually, in true transparency, we've never met in person. But we spent a lot of time over the years talking with each other internationally via Zoom and Skype and all the other interwebs out there. But what I love about Mike is that he is unrelentlessly him all the time, regardless of what he's doing, who he's doing it for, in what medium he's doing it in. He's just Mike all the time, and I love him the bits because of that. You will know if you've listened to the show for any period of time that I'm a true believer that when you build the business of you, it's 100% original, and that makes it competitor-proof as well as future-proof, which is what it's all about. So enjoy this conversation with myself and Mike. We deep dive in what it takes to design your business to ultimately run like clockwork without you around. It's a goodie. So Mike, welcome back to the show, my man. Chris, my bro. It's awesome to be back. (laughs) Let's not start with the bro thing again. It would be ridiculous if we if we (laughs) went that down. Oh dear. So look, man, you have been a very, very busy boy over the last you know 12 to 18 months or so it's been everything and anything to do with clockwork the new book the new model the new ecosystem I want to dive deep as far as i possibly can on that but before we do that i mean this is not your first book Rodeo. For anybody that kind of hasn't heard you on the show before, or hasn't been following your career, um, silly you, if you're tuning in, <laughs> if that's you. Um, give us the kind of the, the 120 second mic catch up recap sure. right here.
1: So uh, <clears throat> entrepreneur guy who turns into author guy uh, for the last 10 years, I've devoted my career to being a full-time author of small business books. And uh, so I'm the author of Profit First that's probably my most popular book, mm-hmm. um, Clockwork, The Pumpkin Plan. Um, I, I started off with this thing called The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur. I've written others. And uh, my mission, I think this is the important part, my mission is to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. This is something I lived through and didn't really understand what it was except for hindsight. And what it is is there's this perception, Chris. The day the day you opened Youpreneur and all these other businesses you have, the day you start this – the world who are not entrepreneurs look at you and say, oh, Chris is a millionaire now. Uh, He just sits on the beach drinking Mai Tais. And the reality is entrepreneurship is, in the beginning stages in particular, it's a struggle. uh, We don't make any money. We're working our tails off. And so my mission is to resolve that, to make what people perceive entrepreneurs to be the reality. I want people to be financially successful, Uh, have the freedom to do what they want when they want. Because I also know that when entrepreneurs do this, they'll deliver that knowledge and experience to their employees, they'll bring it to families, to their communities, uh, ultimately to our world. And so I think entrepreneurs can literally change the world, but we have to start by putting the oxygen mask on them first.
0: Amen. Could not agree with you anymore at all. We are here to change the world. I mean, as you know, at the Upreneur HQ, we're all about – building a business based around our expertise, but also our personalities as well. Because when Mm -hmm. we do that, we are 100% original. People can't copy, they can copy your stuff, but they can't copy you. They can't copy your vibe. And so what I love about you, and this is why I became so attracted to you so many years ago with all the stuff you were doing, was that you were always Mike- across the board. Like there was no smoke and mirrors here. It was always you doing things your way, regardless of if it was the toilet paper entrepreneur, which is the first time I think you and I spoke. And then, you know, everything else going forward, the pumpkin plan. I mean, like the names of these books (laughs) are incredible, if nothing else. Right. But you've always been you. How important is it for that personality to come out in what you do as an author, particularly?
1: I mean, it, it is the secret sauce to success. I um, The ultimate compliment I got, Chris, is when uh, a, a friend of mine who I had lost touch with from the college days discovered one of my books. I'm not sure which one it was, but he reached out to me and said, Mike, I was reading this book, and as I was reading it, I'm like, gosh, this sounds just like this guy I knew in college, Mike. And he flipped to see who the author was, and he's like, holy crap, it's Mike. And I think that's the definition of not, you know, there's authenticity, but there's also consistency. And that's the key to perpetually put ourselves out there as our true selves. And what I believe our business is, is really simply an app, an amplification platform. Like what you experience in my books or on my website or face-to-face, it is the real me. The business component just amplifies it so that there's a greater awareness around it. I I think also there's an opportunity for us to leverage our idiosyncrasies. I'm goofy, I'm weird, uh, I have my own sense of humor, which repulses some people and uh, others love it, but I play into it, I actually exploit it further, I amplify those things, and it's those oddities, those idiosyncrasies that I think empowers other people. When they they see you and myself and other entrepreneurs truly playing into who we naturally are, Mm -hmm. we almost become champions for other people to play into naturally who they are. That's why I do it.
0: Yeah. And you do it just as well as, you, you know, only you can do it. And for me, <laughs> right, right.
1: that's, that's the big
0: thing for me, man. It's always about the fact that you do you better than anyone else can. And, uh, I think it's just, for me, it's just, it's a no brainer, but a lot of people struggle with that. And, uh, you know, I, I, I like to sort of try and at least get them into the mindset of that. This is the way forward. This is the way that you make that last pivot. You build that business around a, a, a tribe of people that really dig what you're all about. And they will follow. As you pivot, they will follow you. They will follow you. And just like your fans, your followers, your readers have done so over all these years as well. So, yeah. okay, let, let's let's kind of um, – get stuck in to clockwork um, yeah. which you know I, I think a lot of people kind of have heard that term before. it's maybe not as unknown as something like the toilet paper entrepreneur for example um, I mean with with clockwork, Give us the premise of the book here, Uh, Design Your Business to Run Itself. I think we can all understand roughly what that looks like in terms of automation and that sort of type of thing. But where did this idea come from? What was the catalyst behind this coming in from the last book?
1: So I've discovered that there is this kind of hierarchy of needs we have. I actually studied Maslow's hierarchy of needs and have translated it into – a business hierarchy of needs. Uh, I believe in this so emphatically now, actually, my next book is around this concept. It won't come out for another couple of years, but um, I've been studying it and discovered One of the high level, one of the layers that we must address in our needs to serve the business is the management of time. So, you know, you need to have sales. That's the very biggest base. You need to have inbound cash flow. You need to then have profit. And the reason you need to have profit is because that translates to sustainability. That's the nourishment for a company. Once you have ongoing sales and profit, the next need we have is time. Like carrying a business on our back, being the superhero for a business where we need to yet swoop in again to save it is not going to carry the business forward. So that's why I investigated what I now believe is the biggest impoverishment entrepreneurs have it's impoverishment of their own time. Many business owners are uh, in life – to support business. And that's that's the mistake. We should be in business to support life. So Clockwork is the exploration of this challenge or this problem. And then I, I deconstructed what successful businesses and other organizations have done to free the entrepreneur from being the doer of the business and, and saving the business to move them to becoming a designer of outcomes. And that's what Clockwork does. It moves you through that arc.
0: Love it. Okay. So I have to ask the question then, what did researching, writing, editing, and launching the book do for you and your business? So that's a great question. Well, you know me, bro.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I had to get one in there. I had to. (laughs) No, you, you got to, um, but when that bro comment came up, people you have to listen to it was my show, and you said something like, um, something like we were talking about the time. I can't remember what it was specifically, but I think we were talking about time. Like you arrived and it was like one minute after like the start time or something. Right. You're like, oh, sorry, I'm late. I'm like, I was here on time, bro. <laughs> and you you started riding me like a like a beat horse. So.
0: This is this is an inside joke that all the listeners now, they kind of get it, but they really don't care, I don't think, either. but
1: <laughs> no, no, they don't. They don't. But I think it's very funny.
0: We we so, both think it's amusing, but carry
1: on. So, so, with clockwork, the ultimate discovery for myself was, and this is true of every one of my books, these are problems that I have in my own business and my own life that I need to resolve. So, that's often the impetus behind it. I then see I tried to do is research out how many other businesses it impacts. And uh, time or the freedom of time impacts a countless number of businesses. So I saw there was a broader application. But the impact on me personally is the accountability. And you know this, Chris, when you write a book and tell people what to do, you have to do it. Or oh, you're so good. Absolutely. There, there's a saying that the smartest student in every single room is the teacher. And That's what I'm experiencing. When I wrote Clockwork, one of the bold commitments I believe every business owner needs to make immediately is to schedule a four-week consecutive vacation. Actually, something that's relatively common in Europe, um, but in the US, no one does that. And it's a full digital and physical disconnect from the business. And it's the ultimate test because if your business can run four consecutive weeks without any of your active input, it is positioned to continue on on its own. So I had to take my four-week vacation. As an author and speaker, where I make my primary income, I had to find a way. And there is a way to make it run without me. So that was the ultimate impact for me.
0: Mm. Mm, okay all right so <clears throat> let's you know for those uh for those that are tuning in that haven't actually picked up the book yet and obviously for you guys we will link to that and everything else um you know over in the show notes for this week actually youpreneur.com forward slash 330 I will give you that url again at the end of the episode but i mean for those who haven't already dived in what is can you break down the book into little sections for us here so we can find out a little bit more about yeah. what's in inside the covers. And then I really want to zoom in on something that you talked about in regards to licensing and the way you were building your business as a youpreneur ultimately. And I want, I want to deep dive on that a little bit more in the second half of the call, but give us, give us the, uh, kind of the rundown on what clockwork's all about.
1: Yeah. I'll give you the juicy parts. I think there's three three significant ones. Uh, even though it's a seven step process, I'll give you the big three. The, The first one is understanding what's called the four D mix. I found that there's businesses, in every business, there's four layers of activity that's happening. And there's a base level that you need to do as a business, but as the business grows, the entrepreneur must elevate themselves to the highest level while continuing a balance throughout this four D mix. Here's what the four Ds are. The first level is called doing. Every business must be doing an activity that derives a benefit to the customer or doing activities that support the deliverable of that activity. So just as an example, if I'm a uh, window washer, that's my business, the activity of washing windows is doing, but also invoicing, marketing, anything that attracts customers, all those things are called doing activities. Um, Most entrepreneurs, especially in an early-stage business, the entrepreneur is the doer, the, the they wash the windows, and they do all the sales and everything. The next level up is called deciding. And as a business grows, we need to move through the stage, but very quickly. Deciding is where I bring on employees, support, virtual help, or otherwise, and give them tasks to do. But I retain the decision-making. Now, sadly, many entrepreneurs believe this is delegation. It's not. Deciding is called task-rabbiting. Like, I had a, a assistant I brought on. Her name was Jackie, and I told mm-hmm. her, hey, you got to do invoicing. And so she started to do invoicing, and then um, she came back to me a second later and said, oh, do you want us to sort these clients out by last name or first name? I just made a decision. I said, sort by last name. She came back a minute later and said, do we bill in 15-minute increments or per project? And I gave her a decision. And in the beginning, it's very flattering because it, she's showing interest in bettering her position sure. and gaining knowledge. In the long term or even the midterm, it becomes very frustrating because she – constantly is nagging me with questions. At a certain point, like, is she an idiot? Can she not figure this out? Right. And that's this normal kind of, uh, challenge we face in seeing someone better than sliced bread when they join. And then idiots a week later when they can't figure it out. And the reason is not their fault. It's us. We're controlling the decision-making. Uh, there, there's a Hindu goddess named Kali, who's a single female head with eight arms. That's what we become one brain controlling the entire body. It actually re- prohibits growth. And usually after three or four, uh, people coming on board, we are so laden with decision-making that we experience decision fatigue. We are just throwing out decisions left and right, good decisions, bad decisions. It doesn't matter. We don't have time to do our work anymore. We need to move to the next D. The third D is called delegation. The reason, uh, It's people say it's called people say that they're delegating. The reason they struggle here is because they don't know what delegation is. Delegation is not the assignment of tasks, it's the assignment of outcomes. It's telling Jackie, Hey, it's important we bill our clients accurately and timely. We have a best practice you should follow. But if you uh, struggle with it, make the decisions to improve the process. Don't come to me. I hired you for what's on your shoulders. There's one more part, though. I think a lot of entrepreneurs know that, Chris but poorly execute on it, they, they actually swoop in and take the decisions themselves. But, right. have to do that. but here's the one part that almost no entrepreneur knows, and therefore almost no entrepreneur executes on, yet it's those critical. When your employees make decisions, virtual or otherwise, it is to support their decision making, all decisions, including the bad ones. And that's the part people miss. Jackie, this true story, came back to me and said, Mike, invoicing is really difficult to sort by last and first name. We have so many duplicates. It's confusing. i will come up with my own system. I'm going to sort by middle initial. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my god. And I had to bite my tongue and say, Jackie, the fact you made a decision that you felt was in the best interest of our company is exactly why I hired you. Thanks. Right. Let's right. test this out. Let's go for it. It was a disaster. It didn't work. <laughs> I was going to no say, how did, how did Jackie do? <laughs> yeah, It was a disaster. But – Jackie came back a week later and, and now owned up to you – yeah know, I made a decision that didn't work out. I've decided now we should try codes. I'm going to encode names for, for the three initials plus number sequence. And we moved to that. And that has been very successful, actually more successful than we had it before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Jackie felt empowered because I raw rodded her through a decision and let her – Struggle. Now, I'm not there to intentionally make her struggle. I'm there to coach her and support her. But if I said, Jackie, that's a dumb decision. Here's what we need to do. I've reverted back from delegation to decision-making. And that's a problem. Yeah. The, the fourth and final stage is called designing. And this is what we as entrepreneurs need to aspire to. Designing is where we have clarity on the outcome we want for our business, the vision. It's then choreographing our resources and organizing so there's full alignment between our Colleagues, our technology, everything to achieve that outcome as efficiently as possible. The one biggest part that people miss on this is believing that rah rah speeches is delivery of strategy and alignment, which is not. If I go to my colleagues and say, we're going to have a $10 million company this year, there's only one person who really gives a crap about that the bro sitting right here, me. Right, right. Like this broke it because that's my company. I get the rewards of that, the ego, the financial reward. My employees, they have their own dreams. So what I realize is a designer defi- defines where the company is going but then works with every single employee throughout the company either directly or through their management team to get clear on what the employee's personal visions are and then align their personal outcomes to achieve that vision. One last final story around doing this in my own little business, we have 14 employees, we're tiny, but one employee, her name's Amy, her dream was to have a job she could walk to, so our office happened to be near her, so that qualified very easily, but her other dream was to be home when her children would come home from school, or her husband, who travels extensively, was home. She wanted ultimate job flexibility, so we set the job where Amy can show when she's ready to work, and when she needs to leave, she doesn't have to tell anyone, she just splits, Um, Amy has become the most feverant, excited, uh, empowered employee in our organization and is moving us toward our vision of that you know, $10 million vision like never before because she's been so empowered for her vision. It's not just true for Amy. There's another guy, Mike, at the office um, who wants to have uh, his own business one day. When we have meetings about some entrepreneurial decisions we're making, we invite Mike in to learn what it's like to be an entrepreneur. So his dream is being fulfilled, and that has put our team in alignment to achieving the ultimate outcome that I want for the business.
0: I love this. So for you guys tuning in, understand this, you know, and, and you often hear me talk about the fact that, you know, writing a book is one of the easiest, simplest, and fastest ways to position yourself as an expert. But understand, mm-hmm. if you're not, you know, if, you, if, if you're not cooking the bread that you've, or rather eating the bread that you've baked yourself, and you're trying to give it out, but not yeah. actually consume any of it, you're an idiot, No one's ever going to take you for granted, take you for serious in any way, shape, or form. It's like remember back in the day, Mike, when we first got talking all those years back. I had my book, Virtual Freedom, right? Mm -hmm. I do, yeah. Right, so I so I write a book about um, teaching people how to build teams of virtual employees. If I don't have virtual (laughs) employees myself. How right. the hell am I writing a book about it? Like what gives me the right to get up on my soapbox about that, right? And, and that's why I think the, one of the reasons why that book did so well is because everybody knew that I had a ton of people working for me virtually and I could back it up.
1: Yeah, so I have a doctor. I won't mention his name. Uh, I see him every year for my general physical, Mm -hmm. and he tells me, "Mike, make sure you keep up that exercise." Two years ago, I remember him saying specifically, "You really need to exercise five times a week, um, and and change your diet because you have too much sugar in your diet." And as he's saying this, I'm looking at him. He is a tub of lard. This guy is huge. (laughs) Like, I'm like. After he tells me this, he goes outside and lights up his cigarette and Are you see well i don't know about the cigarette I'm now now I'm, I'm using poetic license but right. but i sit there i'm like i know what he's saying is true but i can't consume what he says is true because he doesn't believe it right and and chris your point you taught virtual freedom amazing book by the way amazing book we've employed it the techniques and what i discovered is because Chris is living this, it's very palatable. It's very digestible. If that was written by someone that's never had a virtual employee, it may be the truth, but it's not palatable because right. it's not. Believable, Huge.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And and likewise with Rise of the Youpreneur as well. I mean, here's a book teaching people how to build businesses around their personal brand. I've done it. People know I've done it. Yeah. And therefore, yeah. it's easy for them to take it on board. That That's actually one of the biggest compliments I get about the book more than anything else, is the personal stories that I tell within the pages, talking about the fact that I've done all these things and what that's led to to in regards to results and profits and all the rest of it. They can get it. You're absolutely right. Just like you can get it. And I and I love that. I love that. Okay. Mm. Um but let's not talk any more about my books. Let's talk more about yours. Oh dear. <laughs> but I'm I am using right. myself as an ex, as an exercise here more than anything else, right? Do it yeah, right yeah. is what I'm saying. Um let let's switch gears a little bit here and look at how things have changed for you over the years as well in regards to the way you're building your business. I mean, you, when I asked you, because we, we haven't spoken for a while, I said, how are things going? And, and, I mean, you came back and you said, you know what? I've really changed the way I do business now. I'm basically yeah. just, I'm writing books and I'm licensing deals and doing this. And my ears instantly pricked up because I love the pivot of the entrepreneur. It's one of the biggest things that turned me on. We're, talk us through this. What exactly has changed over the last couple of years when it comes to your own business and the way that you've built your, your – I mean, you're the Upreneur, personified, man. You've built the business around you and your personal brand.
1: Yeah, which uh, to, to your point earlier, that, that, that is one of the most important things we can do because it is defensible. No, no one else out there can say I'm Mike Michalowicz. I I do what he does, you know, because it's me. And, um, but we can do with other brands. Like, you know, if I make soap or something, someone else can rip it off and do the exact duplicate. It's clonable. But when you're a youpreneur, it's not clonable. But of course there's a downside too. Now I'm only as strong as I am. And so originally when I was building my own brand, I was carrying all the weight and saying, I got to I got to do all the speeches. I got to run the business. I got to have the, the, the upsells behind the scenes and all those things. It has to be me. And then uh, I was approached as I was writing the pumpkin plan by another company. I said, we want to license this. And that was for me an aha moment. I said, well, what do you mean? They said, well, we just want you to keep on selling as many books as possible, but we want to be the service entity behind it. And, I, and then we structured a deal. Uh, a licensing fee plus a percentage of revenue, and now they're the exclusive provider of the services. Then I did with Profit First. Uh, Profit First has grown into a a multi-million dollar practice, um, and Profit First is a little bit of a hybrid because I'm still involved in it as Mm -hmm. the owner, but I'm also a licensee to it. Then, in the purest form of this was when I released Clockwork, another company approached me, they licensed it, agreed to a percentage, uh, and they're the exclusive provider. I have no equity in the business, but I do share in the upside. And the sole responsibility I have is sell as many clockwork books as possible to build awareness about this concept. And this company, which is called Run Like Clockwork, they formed a new LLC, will do all the service side. The the beautiful thing is these licensing relationships actually encourage me by the compensation. In the structure to further promote my books, like right. do more. So to do more of the one thing that I can do well. They are taking over, uh, what can be a substantial, um, financial win, but also substantial time commitment. They've taken over that entire responsibility and I benefit from it. The beautiful thing is now I have an upsell for all my books. It's it, there's a service entity behind each one The beautiful thing, it doesn't depend on me. It it, it actually runs like clockwork. So once someone's working with the clockwork. It's funny how that works out, right? (laughs) It is. So someone someone engages the clockwork services, I'm not involved, I'm not presenting, um, I'm not teaching, and there's not an expectation of that. The only expectation is deliver more books, keep promoting my books, and that's the stuff I love to do.
0: So, okay, this this is an interesting point here because I think a lot of authors, particularly in the business space and and particularly those that have several books or plan to have several books, they think about writing the book, publishing, launching the book, marketing the book. But then eventually they'll lose interest in the book, and they'll get on to the next project or the next book even, right? And they'll kind of like, okay, well, that's been and done now. You know, I'll move on sort of type thing. But with this model, like you clearly state, I mean, it encourages you to continually talk about your books. I mean, we should anyway, right? I mean, here I am clearly not worrying about mentioning virtual freedom from 2014, but what I'm getting at is many people don't do it. Why do you think that is the
1: case? I think many people write a book with the intention of that book being a marketing piece. And I think that's a grand mistake. At least it would be for me. Maybe it is right for certain people. But that's the glorified business card. Like, here's, you know, I wrote the book on this, now hire my firm. I believe, at least for me, that a book needs to be the end-all be-all. That if someone picks up my book, that it will have a permanent, impact on their life, a permanent positive impact on their life, and that they can complete the experience without needing to do any other step besides read the book and follow the script in there. What happens then, um, if I pull that off, and I I feel I have with Profit First and and these other books, Clockwork, that what happens is people start becoming believers like, oh my gosh, this guy, this was the solution for me. Now I want to read the other book. So books start selling books. Um, and here's the here's the most amazing part I found is in the author community, the people who are writing books to really be of service to others, um, there's a community of us. We authors start supporting each other. Like, I will promote your stuff endlessly, Chris, because I believe in it. But here's the mm. self-serving benefit. Every time someone buys Virtual Freedom or any of the work you do – I know the likelihood that they will fall in love with the book is high, which also means they'll have a highly high likelihood of believing that books can be of service. And if books can be of service, they're going to start reading more. And that means they may just read my book. So the more I promote my colleagues in this industry, the contemporaries, the more books it sells for me. I, I don't know if it's the only industry that works this way, but there is a community of authors that are very much in this abundance mindset. And shit, it works, man. It works.
0: Totally. No, I I agree with you 120%. I mean, I, I think the other thing is this, good people stick around, befriend and help other good people. Like just be a nice dude or dudette. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, why are there so many idiots in the world that try to sort of go it alone and, 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 and you know, they're not open to talk about other people and, and all the rest? Like, I actually had a conversation with somebody, I kid you not, maybe no more than a month ago, where they were asking me about my, uh, about my podcast and, that, you know, the fact that it had been running for so long. Why did I continue doing it? Blah, 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 blah. And I asked them, I, I spun the question back on them and I said, why haven't you started a podcast. yet. Yeah. Now, this is somebody who has a following who who is seen as an influencer. And this person said, Oh, you know, I, I wouldn't want to start a show, you know, like an interview show like yours, because I don't want the spotlight to be on other people. I want the spotlight to be on me. Oh, yeah, I was just yeah. like, You're getting it wrong, man. Like you're yeah. so, you're so getting it wrong. And no matter what I did to try and sway that thinking over the course of 15 or 20, it was like I was talking to a brick wall. It wasn't so
1: myopic. It's it's, it's such tunnel vision. Yeah. You know, one thing that I see that frustrates me is, uh, there are community of people who believe being an expert is, uh, is about showing off success. And I, I I hate to say some people I believe are being very inauthentic. It's the guy who's like, here's my private jet that I rented the photo (laughs) shot for, you know, for 10 (laughs) minutes. That's all I could afford. (laughs) And you know, what what they what i think people in that mindset are hoping is that there'll be a community following that aspires to have that and wants to learn the secret to getting there mm-hmm. but the secret is lying and if the secret is lying that is not a perpetual i am much more magnetized by people who show their authentic self the, the successes and the struggles in fact the struggles make them much more relatable to me I, I am i am a much more of a believer when i listen to you and you say you got to listen to tim ferriss i'm just picking a random name a famous person i will listen to tim ferriss because you say it if tim ferriss says you got to listen to me that's almost a turn off right You know, so uh, that that's why this abundance mindset works. It's because it's it's authentic. It's it's being of the people and just simply showing them experiences and knowledge that we've become aware of that can serve them, too. And also acknowledging that the people we're serving also can be of service to us. They have knowledge and awareness that we can learn from. Here's the thing. Uh, One one person once said to me, Mike, I look up to you. And I said this in response. I said, first of all, thank you. I am. Honored and flattered that you said that, um, because I know that comes from your heart. But I also want you never to look up to me or anyone, and I don't want you to look down to anyone, and I don't want to look up and or down because every time we say those exact words, it puts us ourselves in a position of inferiority, or superiority. And I don't believe any single person on this planet is either of those. I think we're all just on different experience planes. We all have something to share with each other, regardless of our circumstances. So I said, let only change the term from looking up or looking down to looking over. Let's hmm. all just look over to each other. Hmm. God, so good.
0: So this one, I like hanging out with you, man.
1: <laughs> we, it- should getting, we should be gay. We should be wasted right now. And like getting <laughs> belligerent, like You know that one guy's a total dick man with (laughs) a bullshit airplane. That's a lie.
0: Oh, uh, well, look, I mean, we could go on forever. Clearly, we wouldn't have a problem doing that. But we're both busy people running our own businesses as well. So we're going to cut it there. For you guys tuning in, if this is the first time you've met and hung out with Mike a little bit, go into the archives of Upener FM. You will see him a couple of more times in there. We're going to get him back on the show again sooner rather than later as well. Show notes com forward slash three. three Zero links to clockwork and pumpkin plan and profit first, probably one of my favorite business books of all time, by the way, Profit First, and so much more that he's got going on. Plus, there's so many great photos of Mike in quite strange situations on his website that you would just um well you you, you just have to go and check them out for, for your own <laughs> you know pleasure, if nothing else. Brother, it was great to catch up. It was great to talk clockwork and everything that you've been going on. Thank you very much for coming on and sharing as always.
1: Chris, thank you, my brother.
0: All right. For you guys tuning in, thank you for being with me again for this little weekly jaunt into the world of the personal brand entrepreneur. I'll be back again next week. Until then, take great care. Bye for now.